Welcome to Share Public Health, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center's podcast connecting you to public health topics, issues, and colleagues throughout our region and the country, highlighting that we all share in public health. Thank you for tuning in to the series focusing on mental health. In this series, we will explore mental health through the lenses of schools, public safety, and the business community. Be sure to check the notes to get links to resources mentioned in the podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Suzanne Hawley, and today I'm here with Dr. Amy Chesser. She is an associate professor at Wichita State University in the Department of Public Health Sciences in the College of Health Professions. And today I'm really excited that we get to talk about mental health literacy. Just to remind you, this is part of a podcast series on mental health. And so today we're going to talk about mental health literacy. I want to welcome you. And I guess the first question I have for our listeners is, what is mental health literacy and why does it matter? Thanks, Suzanne, and and thanks for inviting me to speak today. I'm really excited to discuss this topic of mental health literacy with you and the listeners. This is a new topic for me, and I think we've kind of discussed that some of my research, and I'm learning quite a bit about the topic right now, so I'm not sure that most people even know this term, so that was a great question. Um, What is mental health literacy? So to begin, um, from the research, we know that mental health literacy is, quote, the knowledge and beliefs about mental disorders, which aid their recognition, management, or prevention. So this definition, along with some other very important research, was created by JORM from Australia in 1997. So let me say that again for the listeners just a little bit slower. So mental health literacy is the knowledge and beliefs about mental disorders, which aid their recognition, management, or prevention. And what I think uh, about when I hear this definition, Suzanne, is that it ranges from knowledge to beliefs, and we have a chance to change with the recognition, management, and prevention, the health of others. This can be at the individual level or an entire population of people who may be struggling themselves or know someone who is struggling with a mental health illness or disorder. You know, this to me sounds so important, but if you want to just help explain to our listeners, why does this matter? Right. So I think it's important for the listeners, um, from my understanding, who are mostly public health people, is that this is an important topic for public health because it impacts a number of population-related illnesses. So if we think about just even here in the United States today, we have a big problem with anxiety and depression, and there are a lot of people who are fighting this today. So depression is one of the leading causes of years lived with disability. I'm sure you've heard that term before years lived with disability, um, so that impacts people worldwide, although it can be successfully treated. So 75% of Americans do not receive care for this one mental illness. And treatment has lower rates among non-immigrant Latinos and Hispanics in comparison to white, meaning they are con- there are continued opportunities for treatment for that population. Also, when thinking about anxiety disorders, they represent the single largest mental health problem in the United States, 
but most people never seek treatment. Therefore, the deficits in the ability to recognize and the beliefs about the disorder may contribute to low health-seeking behaviors. So if people don't understand and have mental health literacy, then what I'm hearing from you is, um, I mean, these are huge issues in our communities. It's kind of like a silent issue some people will never even go to seek treatment. So we could, I mean, these are people listening today. This could be you or me. This mm-hmm. could be people in your family, mm-hmm. someone that's a friend or a colleague. And so it's all around us. And um, that's interesting. I mean, anxiety disorders are the biggest problem in the U.S. And yet, you know, I'm thinking an anxious person. <laughs> when I feel anxious, I, I don't want to talk about it to anybody. I just want to fix the problem. Right. Even if I don't know how to, yeah. I just make up something. Right. So anyway, it's just, it's amazing to think about the lack of treatment. And this is a crisis. This is an epidemic. And we're not even trained as traditional public health people or we're in a helping profession or in a school to deal with this uh, at a, just a personal level or a community level. I mean, that's overwhelming to me. So, I mean, I'm glad we're here today to talk about it. Yeah, so good point. And at the end of this discussion, I hope we're going to be able to have some resources that we can provide and practices that would be helpful to kind of take the next step for those who are listening and um, working every day in public health so that they can kind of put their foot forward in addressing mental health literacy problems for the people that are are in our community and our families, et cetera. Great. And I hope I can remember for all of us, you know, to, to ask you about those. So we actually have something to take away. So let's just start off with the experts. Who are they? You know, what what's some of the research in this area as researchers yeah. ourselves and <laughs> yeah. faculty? We yeah. want the evidence. Right. So give it to right. us. So let's talk about the evidence for a little bit. Most of the researchers in this area um, have been primary care clinicians, as well as people in psychiatry and psychology and the like. But the more majority of the um, work that's been conducted has been in other countries other than the United States. So the early re- research was conducted in Australia by a team led by Jorm. So we heard his name just a little bit earlier with the definition. He was the first to kind of get into this area in 97, and he created a team that has done the bulk of the research. And their focus was, um, and numerous studies have involved adolescents. So mental health literacy with adolescents. And there's a variety of assessment tools that researchers use for mental health literacy. Many of them started with his team, and we'll talk a little bit about those tools here in a second. So just keep listening. So that's kind of interesting that a lot of this really important work has been done outside the United States. I think of, you know, all the mental health awareness or the crisis we have here. Um, but yeah, that, I find that, I find that interesting. And I think about, um, what we need to know. I'm wondering where are people using the tools? Like what are, what are these tools? So again, we look to the research and the evidence and we see that people are currently using these tools to assess, assess vulnerable individuals such as adolescents or women with postpartum depression, some with mental health providers themselves. And we've even seen public health students. So at the population level, we see um, a lot of 
studies that are just assessing the general public, so just large population-based studies. A few of the studies have involved other populations such as older adults or minorities and very few um, looking at rural populations or rural areas. And I think it's noteworthy that several of the studies in international locations have specifically looked at culture and its impact on mental health literacy, which can impact an entire population. So really, when they're assessing people, they're looking at what what do they know that this is a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for example, when, um, from my background as a clinician, I had learned in graduate school about um, anxiety not being a term that certain groups use, but they may talk about the physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. Like I have butterflies in my stomach, but I would never know that I'm anxious. Right. I exactly. have some physical reaction. So it's what do they know? And then if they know it, like if they're measuring it in middle school, uh, adolescent kids, then, you know, this can keep them if they kind of understand what are my symptoms, because this is related to a mental health issue, then I can actually talk to someone about it, a counselor or whatever, because you think about in the news, I mean, the suicide rates and all kinds of risk-taking behaviors Mm -hmm. of teenagers and young people and suicide rates in the military. I mean, really, um, it's great that they're, they're tracking kind of the rates, but, you know, this is different because this is about measuring what they know. Right. Not if right. they have it. So right. that's that puts the power into the, the people if they actually know the information. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I just um, want to make sure I'm tracking you. So what does um, mental health literacy mean for like uh, a community population perspective. Yeah, so it's a little bit about what we've been mentioning all along, which is that mental health literacy starts with the individual. It can move quickly to the family, impacting the entire families for someone who is involved in a family system, and then out to the community and eventually to the entire public or population. And it's having the knowledge of those preventive measures, symptoms, and treatment modalities and the treatment locations for mental disorders, that's important. So it also includes being knowledgeable about the strategies to support yourself or others experiencing mental health conditions that are around you. Among those experiencing mental health condition, mental health literacy includes knowing how to manage that illness. And so you're thinking about maybe caregivers and mental health literacy, including having the knowledge or effective support rendered from the family for that person that has the mental health condition. So that's helpful to hear. It's not just, okay, I'm having these symptoms or I'm noticing the population I work with uh, may have symptoms, but I know that there's a treatment. I can, you know, go to therapy. I might know that, but... I don't know where to go. Right. Like where to so actually having a physical location. So mm-hmm. if it's the county mental health center, if it's the school system, if it's university counseling center, medical group in a uh, military facility, but just knowing where to go. Got it. So you know, I think about my father that is elderly and has uh, health issues, and I take it for granted that I'm a psychologist, so I might be thinking about these things. But when you're in the situation, it's it's hard to assess these things because he has all these other 
health conditions, you know, having pain can make him more irritable mm-hmm. or, you know, just uh, he's not as mobile. And so that can, you know, change his mood and, you know, when to really be worried about it. Right. That's that's hard for anybody, right. I think. Right. And as we think about depression and dementia and old age, I mean, they're all kind of blending together with mental health issues. And then you do something like take away someone's car keys before you know it, you know, it's really impacting. Now we're talking about an older adult population, which I think is interesting for us to talk about in the context of mental health literacy, because this is an interesting population in a couple of ways that are pertinent to our discussion. First, the that population continues to grow, as you know, at an in- exponential rate. It's um, We're looking at the stats right now for, say, 2030 that say one in every five people in the United States will be age 65 and older. So just thinking about that and letting that res- resonate for a minute. The next stat would be um, looking out at 2060, so just 30 years later, in the U.S., we're saying that 65 and older population will be 98 million people. So that's a lot of people to be considering when we're thinking about the older generation and their mental health literacy skills. Second, we think about what's known about this population. Again, going back to the evidence and the research, I started looking at mental health literacy for older adults, and there's a lack of understanding about the differences among cognitive decline and dementia and Alzheimer's disease. So when you're researching, you have to take all these things into consideration. There are multiple factors when you're thinking about mental health, older adults, and mental health literacy. So it's an exciting time. There's a lot of potential for new research in this area. We are certainly going to have the population and the numbers in order to conduct research. And we can look at it from the public health and population perspectives in the future. So basically, you're telling us that there's this silver tsunami. I mean, the older adult population is growing and growing. No matter what area of health or community work you're involved in, you need to know about older adults and that this is probably the most vulnerable, one of the most vulnerable groups because they might have um, cognitive conditions like dementia that interfere with kind of understanding or diagnosing. They have not been raised in their childhood and life to talk about this, know what this is they're at risk for suicide. I mean, all these things. Right. And so it's never too late, I think. And and changing that cultural norm for this large population, as you're saying, is a big issue. As as we were looking at earlier, you know, the international studies looking at culture, well, we have that right here at home with a whole generation, like you said, not necessarily thinking it's normal or acceptable or desirable to go to a therapist or any kind of clinician in order to fix what they may or may not see as a problem. And it just reminds me of this book I'm reading now, The Power of Habit. And I just realized they were talking about how do we build new habits? You cue it with a habit that already exists, something you're comfortable with. Uh-huh. You can't buy into something that's totally foreign. So if an older adult is used to going to physicians and their primary care doc and those kinds of physical health issues, that's where they're going to be. And that's who is going to need to also be have mental health literacy, that, right. that physician, to even ask the questions to mm-hmm. know if their patient has that 
literacy um, to then even have that comfort level to make a referral or to even have somebody come in the office and do a behavioral health consult or whatever. But, I mean, you need to find those people where they're at, not where you want them to go. Right. So I'm not actually sure how common the term mental health literacy is for everybody. I mean, when I think about it, it's another way to say it is mental health awareness, mental health 101. Um, it's it's very specifically defined, like you said, It's um, which is great. The symptoms, you know, the treatment and where can you actually go? So like all the actual steps. So how does this fit into health literacy? You know, I know you're an expert in health literacy. I think that's a pretty common concept, but can you say something about the connection? Yeah, so um, yes, I have done a lot of research and my passion has actually been health literacy itself for almost 20 years now. And when we think about that definition, again, there are like 24 definitions of health literacy out there in the literature. But I always look to the Institutes of Medicine because they were kind of the first that said that health literacy, and I'm going to quote here, is the degree to which individuals have the capacity to obtain process and understand basic health information and the services needed to make appropriate health decisions. So in a lot of ways, when you listen to that, the first word I think of is the individual having that capacity to do these things. Um, In general, we think about health literacy as that individual's ability to know what is going on with his or her or their own health and where to find that reliable information of what he or she or they should do next. So it's an individual's ability to help themselves navigate through that healthcare system. But mental health literacy is similar in that individuals are supposed to be able to recognize and manage their illness. And although health literacy is similar in that providers often work to communicate effectively about that person's health issues and provide that appropriate and useful information, mental health literacy is different in that some of the measures that we use to um, include expert understanding and the ability to manage health issues as the provider of the care um, measure the same thing as you would for the general populace. So to date, we have just a few instruments other than plain language and the patient-centered observation form often used in medical education that assess a provider skill of health literacy and more generally for mental health literacy, it's just the exact same tool. Okay, so to kind of just further get us back to the, the bottom line, how does recognizing that people have different understandings and abilities related to mental health help us in our work? I mean, even in our personal lives. Right. So first and foremost, I think it's important for people to begin to recognize and talk about mental health issues. And this includes general accurate knowledge of the the very most common illnesses and the removal of that stigma around mental health. Uh, Some of the linguistics that I think of just kind of walking around in my daily life is when I hear somebody calling somebody else a person crazy or nuts, not necessarily a situation, but an actual person, oh, he's really nuts. Um, I think that we need to recognize that right away and think about the ways that we use language and the way we talk in reflection to 
um, mental health issues. And recognizing that people have different understandings and capacities related to mental health literacy, that allows us to provide education in those areas for people in the general population, patients themselves, their family, their providers, their caregivers, kind of all of us, um, which will allow for understanding about the need for care and the continued support for the people with these acute or chronic mental health issues. So I think when I think about that, I think about just we just need to keep talking about this, whether, you know, it's not that we have to overshare about our own lives. You know, if we have a loved one or ourselves are struggling with mental health, I mean, that can help reduce stigma um, in a lot of ways. But it's interesting when I share information about working with people who may need mental health services and how it was so helpful for them, whether it was for student services and things like that. And then they kind of know that I know information, I know where to go, I know just basic things. And I'm real, I'm comfortable with that. This is, there's, I don't have feeling uh, of of stigma about it, but then just people kind of come out of the woodwork. Hey, you know, do you have a referral for this? Do you have a, you know, because they don't even know who to ask. And I'm thinking, right. well, there's a, there's a clinic right there next door. Right. But the thing is, is they don't want to go to a bunch of strangers. I Absolutely. mean, you know, yeah. we talk, just talking about it, you know, even at an individual level is kind of breaking down that, that stigma, you know, not saying crazy or nuts. Mm-hmm. There was a crazy, crazy day dress up at one of my kids preschool uh-huh. and it was like we asked could you not use I mean I don't yeah. want to be like the mean boring parent but just how do we just make it like wacky Wednesday or something yes, you right. know not right I don't know if that's better but anyway sorry I'm just no I think that's good think I think it's things. important that we talk about language and the, and the you know the silliness of it maybe I think some people think I'm over the top about this, but I'm really serious about mental health issues just in my daily walking around life because I think um, I think probably two of three people that I run into on a daily basis may have a mental health issue, and it's important that we keep um, helping that not be a stigma. Exactly. So, I mean, with that said, why is it important for people working with groups and communities to really know about this topic here in mental health literacy? Right. So my base answer to that would be because we can do something about it. Um, Many professionals have the chance to improve the overall health of the individual community and population by educating themselves about uh, the variety of mental health illnesses, such as, you know, the things that we've talked about, depression, anxiety. Um, We haven't mentioned bipolar or obsessive compulsive. They've definitely been studied, as well as you know that post-traumatic stress disorder has been well studied in the past few years, as you mentioned before, in the veterans kind of military service population, but also with other populations as well. So we're starting to have um, a glimpse of how we can take action and improve. So, yeah, there's a lot of important um things that are going on that we might not understand in terms of the specific diagnosis, but really, you know, just talking about it, just talking about mental health in general to make it just a more comfortable topic. If we're able to assess this, 
uh, mental health literacy, how can it improve mental health in our population? Right. So if we look at low mental health literacy, which has been shown to be an important contributor in that mental health treatment gap. So what I'm saying is that we identify those people with low mental health literacy. We're also be able, be able to identify providers and services. As you were kind of mentioning earlier about, hey, people come out and seek you because they know maybe you have the resources. And when I think about this, I go back to the adolescent studies because what we know is that with early recognition and intervention, that the traje trajectories of that person can be altered for their future mental health. And in by altering the trajectory for that individual, later years they will affect an entire community for the future of that community and identification is the key to that gap so higher mental health literacy improves health seeking and it eventually improves the quality of life at the individual and the family level so i love that we're talking about this today i love that i'm just spending this time with you makes me want to say mental health literacy as much as possible, <laughs> say that word, yeah. and to say what it means, because it's more than just one, I mean, it's more than 101. It's specifically, you know, knowing the symptoms, knowing there's treatments, knowing there's someone, a place to go, uh, what, you know, where you can go for that information. And all of us can do that. We yes. can, we can answer that question for somebody who comes up to us, who, and, you know, I don't give, I don't anymore provide therapy for anybody. Yeah. And I don't have to because I can, you know, just cover that very basic level and uh, offer support to give them a referral. But if all of us know that and if community members know that, um, that's that's great. And I'm just trying to imagine if this is the first time I'm learning about this and I really want to know where I can go, that third part, where do I go for yeah, more resources? Right, right. Um, what are your suggestions? Right. So we did remember, which is great. At the end of the talk, we were going to say, what can we do? So this is, this is great. One of the valuable tools that I've seen is called the Mental Health First Aid. And you can look that up, um, you know, through any search engine and get all the details about that. But they uh, attempt to prove improve mental health through this intervention. It's an eight-hour course, and it gives people skills to help someone who is developing a mental health problem or maybe experiencing a mental health crisis, which is key. And the evidence behind the program has demonstrated that it does build mental health literacy by helping the public identify, understand, and respond to the signs of um, mental illness. As stated on the website, and I'm just going to Quote here that it's intended for all people and organizations that make up the fabric of the community. I love that. And the course is presented in the Chamber of Commerce, professional associations, hospitals and nurses, rotary clubs. So, you know, they have a, a large variety of people out in the community that they're presenting to, as well as professionals who regularly interact with a lot of people um, in their communities, their faith communities, friends and family, anybody um, who are dealing with mental illness or addiction 
or anyone learning more about a uh, mental illness. So you can see that there's just a vast variety of people that are able to be impacted by this eight-hour course. That sounds great. Yeah, there's also a mental health curriculum from New York State Education Department. Again, you can kind of look that up through a search engine, just search mental health literacy or the New York State Education Department, and the link will come right up. And that curriculum is really focused in that they look at school climates and educating young people about mental health. So back to those adolescents who we can intervene with early, that maybe we can make a difference for their adulthood, for their future communities. So mental health first aid is a specific resource uh-huh. and mentalfirstaid.org uh, and then mental health literacy is just a good search term to find things and the, the New York example. So now that you talk about this, so let's say I want to measure, you know, I'm working with communities or I'm working with a school. Um, what, what screening tools are available? Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. The first thing I noticed when I was looking at the screening tools is, wow, did I have high literacy skills were needed in order to implement those measurement tools? So first of all, becoming familiar with terminology. So um, maybe you know the term akaphasia. That's not something I use in my everyday walking around language. So really thinking about dysthymia, is that a word I even know? So some of these tools, these measurement tools, actually are asking those kind of words in a fill-in-the-blank scenario. So thinking about that, um, taking care in choosing the tool that you're going to use to measure and assess mental health literacy, very important. There are also some... Um, really good multiple screenings that are comprised of vignettes. So these are used for non-expert people in the, in the general population, um, as well as professionals not in mental health, but people working with um, people who have mental health illnesses. So again, non-experts, but impacting and working with people with mental health illness. And they're short cases. And they describe a person with some type of mental health issue, and the respondent or the person taking the assessment indicates the illness, so for example, depression, and then the severity of that problem from that vignette or case study. And they read several of those and respond, and then they're scored on that. So that's one way to assess. Um, There's also another tool called the Mental Health Literacy Scale. You can look that up on the internet and take a look at it. It's kind of long. Um, It measures a variety of mental health issues such as, and again, we're going depression, schizophrenia, personality disorders, um, what mental health provider reporting requirements are, and then some um, assessment of that help-seeking knowledge. So it should be noted that general literacy, again, on all of these tools needs to be pretty high in order to use these assessments. So thank you for clarifying that in terms of, you know, some having really high technical knowledge information and those terms that we don't use every day to cases and then that mental health literacy scale. I was just thinking it'd be nice, you know, if we all take that scale and then we... um, you know, share with people that we know that can have that level of understanding. Because, you know, when I think about the everyday work environment or schools, 
there is a really uh, public health does a really good job of this is flu. This might be flu-like symptoms, and this is when you should stay home and not infect other people. Right. And so we kind of, um, I think, are doing a pretty good job with that, even though not everybody does stay home when they should stay home. So uh, I'm not going to say whether I have done that or not myself (laughs) um, since it's being recorded. But we should have that level of knowledge of mental health issues, you know? I mean, are you been, have you been sad and mm-hmm. um, not able to function fully for, you know, a day? You know, yeah, that's life and that's very normal. But if it's for weeks at a time or, you know, there's certain specific symptoms. So how do we know how to even react to that? We need to have that mental health literacy. So mm-hmm. exactly. Um, that's uh, awesome. So is there any, I, I just really appreciate this time with you and talking to me about all of your wonderful, wonderful expertise and knowledge. Um, is there anything else for us? So just thinking uh, of the summary statement kind of of our, our talk. And again, I thank you for letting me be a part of this talk. I'm so excited about mental health literacy now that I've learned more. Um, I really want to get into this topic as much as I can in the future. But kind of at the bottom line, I want to say to everybody out there, if nothing else, um, know that people with mental health literacy, there's promise and we can help, even if it's just saying to that person, there is promise and we can help. Together, we can find you a resource. And there's a positive future for your future. Um, just saying that one statement may be the difference for that individual, which could impact the community and therefore the population. And I'd also add that as we seek to identify lower rates of various mental health uh, illnesses that we've described before, we need to continue to think about mental health literacy as an important factor for providing the first step for that identification for those who are in need and the ways to intervene for our population. Um, It's mental health literacy is foundation for mental health promotion mental health prevention, and all the stigmas that we have seen even within our culture today, even right here in the United States in our communities, um, and providing care and information and knowledge so that we can improve mental health literacy. Suzanne, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. Special thanks to our guests and to members of our planning committee, Sonia Armbruster, Katie Brandert, Stacey Coleman, Brandon Grimm, Joy Harris, Suzanne Holly, Abby Minky, Janine Moody, Melissa Richland, Hannah Schultz, Lori Wachner, and Kristen Wilson for guidance in creating this series, and Tamaya Chilisi for guidance as well as hosting this series. Theme music was composed and produced by Dave Hoeing and Roger Heilman. Funding for this webinar is provided by the Health Resources and Services Administration. Please see the podcast notes for an evaluation and transcript.